Well, how many of you have been aware at different points in your life that if you said yes to something that was in front of you, it would really change things? Anybody ever been there before? Uh, December the 26th, 1991, some, before some of you were born, uh, I was making a decision that would forever alter my life. I called Shanda's dad and asked if I could ask Shanda to marry me. December 26, 1991, like 100 years ago, I know. I was nine. No, I wasn't. <laughs> but, and, uh, it was, and the first thing that he said to me is, what's in it for me? Yeah, thanks. I was already super nervous, but now, uh, so anyway, he gave me a hard time, and then I called stepdad, Jeff, and we, they both gave their permission. And I don't know if you've been watching on social media and different things, but today it's like over the top when people like ask someone to marry them. There are like photographers and videographers hidden all around. There's like uh, drones flying over, uh, uh, choirs spring out from behind bushes, like all kinds of things. I look at it now and I mock it incessantly because I was so not that. So December the 26th, Shanda took a bus up to Penticton, where, uh, or Summerland, I forget which one exactly, where I had to pick her up, and it was so romantic. It was, she got dropped off at a gas station on the side of the road. And she had no idea, at least I think she had no idea of what was going to happen in that moment. And uh, here I was, so I... She, anybody, you might remember these little figurines that were like this big called Precious Moments, and Shanda collected them. And so I bought one that was a little groom. So he's all dressed up and everything. And I was thinking, I've, I've got to be so romantic. There's no people jumping out from behind anything. It was cold, my, and the car was cold. And so I pick her up, and she gets in the car, and, and I hand, this is wrapped. And inside is the little, little figurine, and he has a string around his neck with the ring hanging right there. But in front of it, yeah, you can say, oh, come on, it's pretty good. In front of it was a little sign as well. It says, will you marry me? If yes, lift up the flap, and then she would see the ring. If no, put me back in the box. <laughs> Hopeless romantic I was. But unfortunately, she said yes, and it was a good day for me, and it's been a good 20, uh, that's a long time ago, 27 years or so of life together and uh, started a journey. But my yes meant also no at the same time. Because when I said yes to Shanda, it meant no to all those other girls. Yeah. You saw my picture when I was 19. There were no other girls. Like, I know. Uh, some of you are like, I hear you. I feel you, bro. Like, I... But in, in all seriousness, when I said yes to her, it meant no to a lot of other things. It meant no to uh, who I would be around. It meant no to different things. But it all opened a whole door of opportunity in front of us for yes. When my yes opened a door that, that nothing else would until I made that decision. In, 18, in the 1820s, uh, my dad's mother's side of the family emigrated from Scotland. And his name was Alexander Lindsay. Can you get more of a Scottish name than that, Pastor Kirk? Alexander Lindsay. And so they left Scotland in a ship at that time and came up the St. Lawrence River in late winter, early spring. And their ship was trapped in the ice and was being crushed by the ice. They, were, they had left from, they said yes to Canada. And they started on that journey and their ship was being crushed so much so that everybody had to throw all their belongings onto the ice. 
But then here's what happened. The ice broke off and started to drift out to sea with all the people on it. And so they had to suddenly begin to light some of the things that they had on fire to try to attract the attention of the people on the shore so that someone could come out and find a way to rescue them, which they did, which I'm grateful for because I'm here today because of that, drifting out to the sea. But they said yes to Canada meant saying no to the border of Scotland. They had to say yes to Canada, and as they did, they crossed into a new place because they were willing to say yes to something. There are some things that you will never access until you give them your yes. There are some things you will never experience until you give your yes to them. There are people I know in this room who, like my great-great-grandparents, have come to Canada and have been through borders and all kinds of things. You've had to go up to a border and say yes and leave what was and go to what is. I know people, acquaintances, people that I've worked for or worked with before who in the late 80s left communist countries and said yes to freedom and said no to the fear that would keep them there. And they actually had to go in the dark of night crawling through the forest with German shepherd dogs, people with guns looking for them, lights into the forest, and they came through and snuck through into freedom because they were willing to say yes to a new life, yes to a new future. Because if you are willing to say yes to something, it means you say no to something else. They said no to that so that they could say yes to this. And so many of us are, I think, behind borders that box us in behind borders that keep us in place, behind borders that say no to us so often that we stay behind them and never realize that if we say yes to something else, we can say no to what's limiting us right now. In Ephesians 1 and 23, we've been talking about this series called 167. You may or may not know that there are 168 hours in a week. There are a hundred, I'm going to need some water at some point. The one week I don't have it is the week I need it. 168 hours in a week. And we, we spend a roughly about an hour in church and some of you an hour and a half because you come when we start at 1030. Some of you like 62 minutes because you get in just before 11. That's all right. We're glad you're here. But the point being that the one hour here is meant to affect the rest of our life. It's not, this is my church life, and this is the rest of my life. I do my God thing here, and over here I do my thing. But everything that happens here is actually meant to affect everything that goes on here. Ephesians 1 and 23 says this. It says that the church, in the message translation, is not peripheral to the world. In other words, this is my real life. This is my church life. This is what I do out there. This is what I do for God in here. We're, we have an understanding. I do things here, he, or he does things here with me, I do my thing over here. But the Bible says the church is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. In other words, everything that I do flows around what God wants to do in my life. Everything that I do, where how I work and where I work, where I go and how I live my life, who I forgive, how I move forward in my life, how I deal with conflict, how I deal in my business, everything is peripheral to the church. In other words, not, not the building, not, doesn't mean you all have to live around, like around the church. It's talking about people are the church. So when God says, everything that I do is in you and everything around you is peripheral to what I'm doing in you. Not everything out there decides your life. Me in here and then how you operate beyond that. Every place 
in the 167 hours beyond here is meant to be affected by uh, God's life in, in you right here. So that the 167 is actually changed by the one. The one that I do here changes everything. It all matters. It matters who I, it matters in my work life. It matters in my school life. My school life matters. My, who I uh, play sports with matters. Every place that we live, the gospel is meant to affect it. Not the secular and sacred divide. I'm my church, hallelujah. And then over here, who cut me off? Why? Hallelujah. No, like sometimes we live like that. Is that there's a divide between there. When God intends for our life, all 168 hours are affected by everything that happens that God's doing in our life. So we talk different. We, we live differently. We forgive quicker. We love deeper. We risk harder because God is within us doing what we can never do. Hey, can you undo it? Like I only got one hand. <laughs> like that. Thank you. Appreciate it. And sometimes, he's expecting I'm going to preach a long time. I got two bottles of water. It's all right. It's going to be okay. Um, so many of us, though, are behind borders that put us into spaces and places that limit us to move on. Some of us are behind the border of a struggling marriage and don't believe that we can be used by God. Some of us are behind the border of an addiction that we think has stopped anything from ever happening in our life. Some of us are behind the border of unforgiveness and we're not able to move forward. Some of us are behind the border of discouragement and it's boxed us in. Some of us are behind the border of addiction to pornography. Some of us are behind the border of anxiety and some of us are behind the border of confusion. Whatever your thing that's limiting your life, that's not where it needs to stay. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about how do you go past the border from where you are to where you want to be, where God's called you to be, even more importantly, where God's designed you to be, what God has promised for you. Because God does not call you to be limited by your life, but to move into a new place that he has for you, that what has limited you can be moved past, that what has hindered you can be broken through, that where you're at is not where you will always be. In Acts chapter 7, there's this story. I'll read it and then we'll explain a little bit here. This was Stephen's reply, so we'll talk about that in a moment. But brothers and fathers, listen to me. And as well, in a patriarchal culture, that was brothers and fathers. Everybody, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran or Haran. God told him, leave your native land. Everybody say, leave. leave. Your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually, everybody say eventually, the whole land will belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children. Yet God promised it, but the eventually would happen, but it didn't happen immediately. Eventually, God gave a promise, and then eventually he saw, and eventually it would happen in that. This story is told by 
the, one of the, the disciples, Stephen, who was just being persecuted. He had proclaimed Jesus and all kinds of good things were happening, but he got hauled in front of the court and was being vilified and being threatened with death. And in fact, he ends up dying. But this is his, like his statement of defense. And he wants to talk about the reality of Jesus. And he reaches way back in Jewish culture to the father of the Judaism, uh, Abraham, who interestingly enough is also an important figure in Abraham or in Islam and is also the father of the Christian faith. And he begins there and he starts talking about Abraham because Abraham's story has an impact far beyond himself. He is probably the ultimate 167 guy. He didn't just have his little moment with God. Every part of his life was affected by his relationship with God. And so this happens about almost 4,000 years ago and we find ourselves in the middle of a story where God just begins to speak and say he calls Abraham. We don't know why he called Abraham. We don't know. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't really see. We just read a few verses in Genesis 11, then into Genesis 12, where we get introduced to this character called Abraham. He was already well on in years. It wasn't like he just got born. He was in his 70s already. And we hear of him. And I... I uh, he gives us a perspective of how God sees people. I think that all of us should be ready for a moment where God would interject himself into our world. All of us should be ready for a moment, and I think this is how God sees it. You're not nameless before God. He sees you. He knows you. You might feel like he's just passed on by with everybody else, but Abraham moments happen all the time. Moments where God sees you. Moments where God notices you. Moments where even right now, God calls you. Some of you came in this morning wondering if God knows you. Daniel begins to speak, and you made a decision and gave God your yes that's going to change everything in your life because of that moment. God knows you. Your name. He knows Abraham. He knows your name. And he's looking for you. And I love how it says that the God of our ancestors appeared to him in verse 2. And it says also that then God told him. Abraham's journey began with an encounter with God. God is not some guy in the sky only. He's not just written about in a book. Jesus is alive and he wants to have an encounter with each and every one of us. He's not just to be read about, he's to be experienced. And God is calling each and every one of our names. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that how many are his thoughts towards us. God is always thinking about you. He's always looking for you. The Bible says that his eyes roam all over the world looking for ones whose hearts will be steadfast and faithful towards him. God is looking for people who will give him their yes. Not their maybe, but their yes. Not their yes but, but their yes. And my own spiritual journey really began to grow. First of all, as a young person, I gave my life to Jesus. I remember the moment in Burdenful Gospel Church, a small town in the mountains, and, and Mrs. Parkin asked me if I wanted to give my life to Jesus. And I remember that moment, even as a very young person, feeling like God knows my name. I can come to know the God of the universe. And I said yes to Jesus. And there have been moment after moment after moment throughout my life where I had a, a choice to make. God, will I go your way or my way? Sometimes I made the wrong decision and said no. And God is so faithful. He brings me back. And when I give my yes to Jesus, everything begins to shift in my life. It's not just an empty, oh, I, I said yes to that. No, just like when I said yes to Shanda and everything future after that changed for the better, 
You should have said amen. You, come on. Look at me. I got a major upgrade. Married up. When I say yes, God moves us. And God is always moving towards us. He's always reaching out for us. Sometimes we think that if I'm good enough and I figure things out enough and I do all the right stuff, that God will answer, that God will look at me. But in fact, the Bible says that while I was yet a sinner, that he died for me. While I was walking away from him, he was walking towards me. While I had no time for me, for him, he had time for me. That God initiates, moves towards, not because we're good enough, but because he is so good for us. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God of Abraham. Abraham's minding his own business, and God says, hey, Abraham, leave where you are, because I've gotten more for your life. Give me your yes, Abraham. Perhaps even today in worship, you sense something significant and almost tangible. We believe that God inhabits the praises of his people in a special and significant way. That things happen in worship that can happen in no other space or place. It doesn't mean that it's the most important thing, but it means it's an important thing. That's why we believe that God still speaks today. God speaks in ways that surprise you at times. His word, the way he speaks always lines up with the Bible, but he is not limited to just the Bible to speak to you. He speaks in all kinds of ways, and he's always within the boundaries of the Bible, but God is always wanting to direct our life, always wanting to help our life, always wanting to help us be better parents, always wanting to help our marriage, always wanting to help the direction of our life, always wanting to reorder, always wanting to reorient, always wanting to do what we can never do by ourselves. That's why we say, God, will you do what you only you can do? And today we believe that just like Abraham, you can hear God's voice. In fact, not only can you hear it, you need to hear God's voice for yourself. Because the Bible doesn't tell you where you should work. The Bible doesn't tell you how to deal with your child. The Bible doesn't tell you what to do. But the Spirit of God can do and speak into situations and tell you what to do, tell you how to pray, tell you what not to do, tell you what to leave alone, and that's why we say, when we say things like, get to worship on time, because in that place, God can drop things into your spirit that give you an answer to something that you've been wondering about for a long time. That's why we say, get into the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Let God speak to you. Let God direct you. That's why we say, take hearing God, because then you can learn how to hear God for yourself, because God is speaking to you. And sometimes, you have to tune in. When I lived up in the interior, we had two channels on the TV. CBC, which was never good except for Disney at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. And then we had Como from Spokane. And if you held the rabbit ears just right, then I think you could get a third channel. But it wasn't because the channel wasn't broadcasting. It was, it was because we had poor reception for the channel. And sometimes we think that God is not speaking, but we haven't learned how to tune into his voice. But God is speaking to you, and we need to learn how to and hunger after that we need to see and hear from Jesus. This is not a gospel of a, of a book. 
We are the people of the book, but we are also the people of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God gives life to the Word of God. The Spirit of God will help us in every area of our life. We need to learn how to hear God. We believe he was speaking because Jesus has ways to get you over the border that's been holding you back. He has answers that will help you to get beyond what's held you back. That no other way forward but what Jesus helps you with. Yesterday, my wife, or was it Friday, yeah, called me and said, do you have my Nexus card? I said, no, I put it by your, by your keys. Well, first of all, why did you do that? And I got a whole thing of why I shouldn't have touched it and all that kind of stuff, but praise the Lord. She was in the line at Peace Arch crossing to go across the border with just her driver's license. Fortunately, thank God, just before the sign that says return to Canada. So she returned to Canada and came up to the uh, the, the Canadian wicket and they, well, you don't have, all I have is my driver's license. I'm sorry. My husband, I don't know how she described me in that moment. I have some thoughts. <laughs> my husband took out the thing and the lady was very kind to her and let her pass through because she had a, she was a Canadian. But most of the time, if you want to get across the border, you have to have the ability to pass through. You can't just say, I'm coming. But with Jesus, he, he is like our spiritual nexus card that he takes us past borders that have always held us back. Maybe your family has always been a certain way. Maybe you've always been a certain way. Maybe you're not knowing how to fix things in your life. Maybe you've not known what the direction of your life. But when you give your yes to Jesus, he takes you from where you are and begins to walk you forward in a journey to where he has for you. There's a promise that's beyond your border your border. How many of you have ever looked back on something that you did and thought that was really, really dumb? Yeah. I don't know why I did that. I have multiples of those. No amens. Thank you. It's quiet. Multiples of those. A number of years ago when I was uh, probably 18 or 19, right the, the stage was in that back corner. Everybody faced that way. And we were having this amazing Easter production. You think, some things are not that important. I was a guy, I didn't have a speaking part. I dressed up in a Roman soldier and like stood there by the cross. That was it. Like, I don't know if it was my stunning good looks that got me the part or what, but they're like, don't talk and don't sing. All right, we did that. But the one thing I had to do is nail Jesus to the cross. Not actually, it was just a guy that we... <laughs> so then we had to lift the cross up and put it into a slot, and then put this little stopper down so the cross wouldn't fall. So we lifted the cross up. The music is swelling. It's amazing. It's like, oh, that moment, you know, in the, in the Easter thing, and Jesus is getting crucified, and, and we're trying to put the latch down to keep that thing in there, the cross in. But a piece of carpet that was supposed to look like dirt, it looked just like carpet, though. But anyway, there it was, and I couldn't get the thing down. And me and the other soldier look at each other like, it'll be fine. And a little bit later, all of a sudden, we kind of look over and the cross starts to move. And then all of a sudden, Jesus jumped <laughs> off and jumped to the side because the cross came, bam, down right like that. It was such a moment, a highlight of my acting career. I wasn't on the next year for some reason. I don't know, I don't know what happened. We got Jesus back up, re-crucified him. We got the job done. 
Yeah, one job. That's it. And I blew it. But I think if... (laughs) It's not that good. Okay. (laughs) But future me would have told past me, make sure you latch that thing, dummy. You should have changed. Shouldn't have done that. And I think there's... Which means that even right now, there are things that I'm doing that future me would say to me, you need to change that. But right now, I don't see them. But I know somebody who does. There are things that are happening in my life that need the adjustment of Jesus, and I can keep going on, or I can say, Lord, I need your help right now. I I think I need you to help me make some changes, to leave what is comfortable, to leave what is usual, to leave what is familiar, to leave what I know and go towards what you've asked me to go towards. And God said, go to Abraham. Leave the familiar for what I will show you. He didn't say, I already, here, I'm going to give you a long list of here's the reasons why you should go. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to have a pool for you. It's going to be, um, there's going to be an all-expense-paid trip. You're going to be able to go here. I'm going to give you a deluxe camel, Abraham. It is going to be amazing. He just said, Abraham, leave where you are and go to where I will show you. In the future, I'm going to show you. But right now, get up and leave. Go. And so Abraham Abraham had to step out from what archaeologists called the largest city in that region of the world at that time. Ur was a city that was at the, where the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers met. It was next to the Persian Gulf. It was a rich city. It was a city of trade. It was a city of influence. It was a city that everyone knew of. It was the place that influenced the entire region. And God said, I want you to leave that, all the best of that, and go where I'll show you. Now, I would have had a discussion with Jesus. There are lots of bad people here. I think I could stay here and be super comfortable and not have to go. You would meet all kinds of people, and still God says, go, and I will show you, because that's how God works. He is always invading and interrupting our stories because God sees more for us than we are currently experiencing. God is always calling you to go beyond the border of what holds you so that you can step into what he has for you. God is calling us to greater things, far beyond a physical location, far beyond our abilities. But the more we say yes to what God is saying, the more we will see what God is doing. Some of us say, God's promised me this and God's promised me that and all that kind of stuff. And we see what God wants for us, but we're not willing to do what God says for us. The more we say yes to what God is saying, the more we will see what God is doing. You might not know the way. You might not know the pace. You not, might not know the direction. But does God have your yes? Yes to Jesus. Does he have my yes for forgiveness so that I will, can go beyond the borders of a struggling marriage? Does he have my yes to go to set free so that I can break the border of old ways of thinking? Does he have... My yes to open my life to friendship so that I can go beyond the way I've always walked? Does he have my yes to have a good attitude so that I can change the way that I've been thinking? Does he have my yes to act in kindness so that I can go beyond my old ways of relating with people? Jesus, is Jesus calling me to say no to pornography so I can say yes to intimacy? Is Jesus calling me to say no to 
gossip so I can say yes to peace? Is Jesus calling me to say no to hatred so that I can say yes to love? What is Jesus calling you to step out of so that you can step into what he has for you? That you would not stay in your ur, you would not stay in your place that's always been, that you've always grown accustomed to being in, that you've liked being in at times, but you would say yes to Jesus and say, okay, God, I don't know where you are going to take me, but I know that you are good, and every plan that you have me have for me is for my good, so I'm going to give you my yes and start a journey towards what you have for me. So Abraham left. You have to take a step to cross your border. Yes, Jesus. Well, can we start moving? No, yes, Jesus. I'm just going to stay right here. I want to stay. I don't want to change, but I want what you have, but I don't want to change. You have to take a step to cross your border. Maybe it's go to Grow Track and find how you can find your purpose. Maybe it's go to Set Free so God can be, deal with some of the issues of your life. Maybe it's join a group and find your people. Maybe it's get some counseling so you can get to the root of some of the issues that have tormented you for a long time. Maybe it's take some training for a new job. It's not a have to, it's a get to. You can stay behind the border of what's limited you or you can say I'm going to follow and say leave what I've had so I can step into what God has for me. It might be scary. It might be, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but we all have our border that has limited us in some way. And if we can say yes to Jesus, no matter what, God, I'm going to step out of this spot that I've been in. And with your help, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to be who you've called me to be. I'm going to go where you've called me to go into the 167, every other space and place. And Abraham took a step and started a journey. That's what I love about this. He didn't go from one place to another in a moment. He started a journey. And if you read through it, we don't have time for it this morning, but at different places he did well on his journey. In other places he did terrible on his journey. But the fact was that he kept moving forward in what God has for him. God taking him from failure and moving him into freedom. And God taking him from places where he absolutely blew it. And you're thinking, you've messed up, Abraham. And God says there's still more for you. Let's keep moving, Abraham. Let's keep moving forward into all that I have for you. There's more beyond the border. I'm taking you towards your promise. From this moment in the 1 to the 167, it's a journey. In Hebrews, it says this, that faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. So he left with only a promise. And without even knowing what ahead of time where he was going. See, a promise is not fatalism. In other words, it's going to happen, whatever. The promise of God is an invitation to you. It's where God says, this is what I have for your life. This is how I, what I'd love to do in your life. I'd like to, you to have a strong and healthy marriage. I'd like your, your work to be a place of influence and impact. I'd like to use you to minister to people. I'd like to heal your life and all kinds of things that God promises in his word. But they're an invitation and they take our yes because you know what? If I want to be healed of some areas of deep hurt, I know this personally, that I've had to say yes to forgiveness. And I didn't want to do it at times. But I had to say yes to forgiveness because that was a, unforgiveness was a border that was limiting me. But my yes to Jesus 
opened me into a new space. And there are all kinds of things like that in our life. We all have them that our yes takes us through. It's only a promise, not even one square foot of land, but the bridge between where you are and where God is calling you is to follow him in faith. Because your faith doesn't make your life easier, it just makes you stronger. Your faith doesn't make it easier, it makes you stronger to get through. Faith says that what God calls you to is always greater than what he calls you from. What he calls you to is always greater than what he calls you from. And so when God says, leave those times, it's, it's time to stop sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and follow me with all of your heart. It's because, not because he hates that person, it's because he says, I've got more for you than just living like that. Maybe you need to marry her or him and get to live and walk right with God. Maybe, who knows what it is in our own issue. Maybe it's that unforgiveness. Maybe it's leaving that addiction. We say yes to God and he begins to take us on a journey. He shows us the way. He shows us the pace. But the important thing is, is that he moves you beyond the border of what's held you and steps you into a new zone and a new place when you, when you have given him your yes. And any time that Jesus calls us to leave something, it's because he's always taking us into something that's better. So when God says to Abraham, leave Ur, that familiar place, it was because he had something greater for him. In Genesis 12, it says this, The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Let me just take a moment. How many of you left your native country, you or your parents, just throw your, left your native country to come to Canada? Look around the room. Look around the room. Yeah. You're here for a reason in Canada. You're here for a reason in Canada. God didn't just do that just for any old thing because you thought it might have been for economic reasons or because God opened a door here or whatever. But God has you here in Canada for this time, for right now. So whether you're new Canadian, been here 100 years, or you're an immigrant, or you're a refugee, it's your time for Canada, and we need you in Canada. And look what it says in Genesis 12. The Lord said to him, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. In other words, everything that you know and go to what I will show you. I will make you a great nation, into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless you, those who bless you, and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. It's the 167. It's not smallness, stuck in a building. It's not retreat. It's not hideout. He's calling us to fresh vision, to fresh opportunities, to new realities, to go not to hide into one, but to go into the 167, every hour beyond there. Notice what God said to Abraham. I will make you. I will bless you. I will show you. God needs your yes. And then he begins to work on your behalf in such an incredible way. He opens doors that you have no way to open yourself. He makes ways where there seems to be no way. In places that have been absolute desolate and wasteful, God can step you into a new space and a new place. When you give him your yes, suddenly he says, all right, we're moving forward, Craig. We can begin to move forward. Now that you've finally done that, we can begin to move your life forward into what I have for you. And whatever space you're in, whatever place you're in, whatever thing that seems to have locked you up, you say, yes, Jesus, have your way. Do what you want in my life. I want to I be led by you. I want you to take me into a new space past the border that I'm living in. But perhaps you say, but Craig, that's for Abraham. That has nothing to do with me. But look what the Bible says in Galatians. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing. Abraham received. And then it goes on to say this, 
And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. You think, oh, what does that mean? Well, think about this. The same God that said, I will bless you to Abraham is blessing you. The same God who said, I will favor you, Abraham, is favoring you. The same God that is helping Abraham said, I'm helping you. The same God that made a way for Abraham is making a way for you. The same God that said, I'll make you famous, Abraham, is making an elevation for you. But that's not the end of the story. God begins the journey. He begins to move in your life. He begins to help you in ways that you could not do by yourself, and it belongs to you. So when I face a situation, I'm not going in, I don't know if God's going to help me. I believe that God is for me, that who who can be against me because God is before me, that no weapon formed against me prospers, that every plan of the enemy falls before Jesus, that everything that I'm facing right now, I can get through because Jesus is for me. He's making a way. He's having favor on my life. No matter what is going on right now, I am heir to a promise. I am stepping beyond a border of what has hindered, and I'm going to step into what God has for me. In 1932, 34, sorry, my grandfather was in a Bible college, 17 years old, and he was called the boy preacher of his area. He was going around in horses in in Saskatchewan preaching the gospel all over, was going to be the next great thing. And in a moment in chapel, just within a few weeks of graduation in Bible college, someone had put cotton balls into the offering buckets. And he was accused of it. He hadn't done it, but he was accused of it. And within three weeks before graduation, he was thrown out of Bible college. And he took an offense. And he walked away from the call of God for his life. He was still a good man. He did his best moving forward. But he never stepped into what God had for him. There was a promise for him. But the border of offense stopped his life from moving forward. So when I step into what I'm doing right now, I'm stepping into some ground that was always intended for my grandfather, for my family. I couldn't, I can't change what happened there. But when I give God my yes, I feel like in moments that I'm stepping into the heritage and the history that God always intended. And some of us have had family borders on our life for far too long that Jesus can set you free from. Patterns of unforgiveness, patterns of offense, patterns of abuse, patterns of anger, patterns of all kinds of things. That's why we have set free. But as you say yes to God, God doesn't just stop you there and say, I'm going to help you. As you say yes to God, you step into another realm of overflow in the 167. God touches your life so that he can touch others through your life. God touches your life with his love so that you can touch others with his love. God touches your life with his forgiveness so that you can be a forgiver. God touches your life with his provision so you can help be provision for someone else. God touches your life with his, his kindness so that you can be kind to someone else. God gives you courage so that you can encourage someone else because that's the way God works. Abraham, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. I want to work in your life so that I can work through your life. Every one of us have promises that we are not yet experiencing, but we stay on the journey and say, God, you have my yes. As you experience God's love, love your neighbor in the 167 and helping people in the 167. But give Jesus your yes. And the more we say yes to what God is saying, the more we will see what God is doing. I want to illustrate that in that last... Oh, man, I took too long. Okay, come on up, Carl. We're just going to... My friend Carl is going to come up, and Carl Amuzo, who I met a few years ago... Can you take this? 
I'll put it away. Just water. It's okay. Grab a seat. We're going to take, we're going to go over by a few minutes, people. This is Carl. He took his, he took his toque off. Like, where's your toque? This is a, this is a, you said yes? I said yes. To take in your toque off. So Carl, uh, we've known each other for a few years now, but Carl has been, we've been working with him at Horizon as he's been preparing to plant a church. And so uh, plant, preparing to plant a church in the Langley area called. The name of the church is called Fos. Fos? F-O-S. What does that mean? Uh, Phos is the Greek word for light. And so it's taken from Matthew 5, 14, where it says that you are the light of the world. And so just kind of living into that vocation as the church. Wow. So you were born in Canada. And then, you're, then you went into a bunch of different places and then got back to here. Yeah, I was born and raised uh, like Metro Vancouver area. I moved out to Hawaii uh, when I was 24. I was there for five years, worked with a church. That's called rough. New Hope. Yeah. Not to go to Hawaii to, uh, <laughs> uh, to, to five To be honest, years. up until about six years ago, I thought that's where I was going to plant a church. Uh-huh. So it was like, God called me to Hawaii. This is awesome. I feel blessed. And, yeah. And then we had snow here. <laughs> so then you went back, but after that, God redirected you to go back to... Yeah, actually, yeah. so I, I was in L.A. for two years. I, I went to um, seminary there, and then I came back here after two years being LA, my mom actually got sick, and that's what brought me back. I actually had no intentions ever come back to, to Vancouver, but but there was a moment in your life where where you were at a pivotal moment, according to what you gave your yes to change the direction of everything. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, yeah. What was that? Um, yeah. So long long story short, uh, I found myself in this place where I found myself in this place. Um, businesses that I had started, just different things that had happened, had kind of like everything was just going wrong. And I found myself in this really dark place. And I was in a studio and I, and I began to write, I wrote a song that was meant to be like a suicide note. I recorded it, left it up on the computer. And for whatever reason, I figured it was proper to pray. I grew up in a church, my mom's a pastor. I'm like, it's probably proper to pray before you kill yourself. It's just something that you should do. And so I remember in that moment praying like, Lord, take my life. And what I could only describe as an audible voice turn was, Carl, I'm going to take your life, but in a way that you never expected. Yeah. And so, like, that just put me on a completely different trajectory for my life. Um, I ended up uh, taking, like, a time off from the record company that I was working with and ended up in Hawaii. And that was where God radically reoriented my life towards him to towards going to Bible college, to leaning into the call that God gave me when I was six years old to, to pastor and so that was that like that moment was the moment where everything shifted for me was in the studio um, praying to God and God speaking back. God speaking. So in a moment where you were like, it was going this way, the end is near. God, take my life. God's like, I'll take that. Yeah. But it's in a way different way than you ever thought in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's lots that we could talk about in terms of that. But so you're uh, Foes, Vancouver. So if you want more information on the church, you can also see it about there. But. People sometimes talk about why, why would you plant another church? Don't we have enough half-empty churches? Yeah, um, like there's lots of beautiful churches, especially in Langley, um, even like City what, Collective. What about right? Yeah. Um, and right Horizon. Here. Yeah. yeah so. You know, close enough, you know, 15-minute <laughs> drive. <laughs> um, but I think reality is, is that 
I think God is, you know, he puts a call and a vision in our, in our in like, especially in my heart and in church planners' hearts to start communities that are going to reach people that other churches aren't reaching necessarily, right? The idea that, I think it was uh, C. Peter Wagner said, like, the best way for people to come to Jesus is actually through church plants because it, it, it catalyzes people. It creates space for people to serve, um, creates space, space, new spaces for people to invite. And I think there's this idea that it's just different expressions of the church for different people. And for me specifically, my own journey was that I walked away from Christ. I called I use that language of like people who walk away from their faith as spiritual nomads. So what does it look like to create a kind of community, not for spiritual nomads, but where spiritual nomads can find rootedness, and that's just the call of our community. So, so nomads, the wandering kind of people, can Absolutely. find a place to call home. Exactly. Really. Now, the, I, you told me a story about a, a lady who talked about the, the the way that she saw the church. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was just the other week. Uh, there was, we, we were just having kind of what we call soap, which is like a more like a Bible study type, like um, devotional time, and uh, we were just going through the passage of First Corinthians chapter thirteen. And when when I began to kind of share a little bit about our community, about the church, like about Fos, and she's like, "Oh, okay. So we want to be a community that's reduced to love, which is like the end of First Corinthians, where it basically talks about, you know, at the end of it, there's faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And that idea that like it just kind of struck me. It's like, yeah, okay. When we use the word reduced. Right, like think about the other places where we use that word. It's like we're reduced to rubble, we're reduced to ash. Like when everything is stripped bare and, and, and everything, like there's nothing left, like it's that thing, it's the, it's the things that stand, stand up. And so for me, it was just kind of hit home for the idea that at the end of the day, if we can say that FOS is a community, like when everything is laid bare, when we are reduced to everything, we are reduced to a community of faith, hope, and love. And that just kind of like really hit home for me as far as like our, our mission, our journey. So it's, you're planning to launch when? Uh, September 2019, so about seven months from now. Whoa, good. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you're that's when you're launching. Are you doing anything before that? Yeah, prior to that, um, we've been doing kind of like these post or pre-launch, not post-launch, pre-launch events. Uh, we call them conversation pieces, where the idea is we invite people. Um, where we have artists and, and different musicians and, and different things like that. And the, the idea is to create a space where we can reimagine what it looks like to gather in light of Christ together. And so we, there's, there's different artistic expressions, but we also pray and worship and, and, and the, you know, preach in a sense and, and then celebrate communion together in those spaces. It's church, but it'll have a little different look. Exactly, yeah. Sure. So, um, yeah, it, it is church. Absolutely, it's church. And, and just for us, it's reimagining what that church gathering could be in light of being able to call people to lean into the things that, the way that the possibility that God has created in their lives. Love that word, the possibility that God's created for our life. Everybody has possibility, isn't it yeah. true? Amen. So we're going to pray for Carl in a moment. If you want to hear more, you can talk to Carl right after the service. More than anything, I just wanted to, uh, first of all, thank you for being willing to give God your yes. Thank you. If you've ever started anything, it's always difficult enough. Trying to start a church in our culture today is a statement of bravery and really, really good. And, and I'm glad that you're doing it. We're, we're going to be behind that. We're, I want you to see the face because I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to say, God, what would you do? Who would you want to reach? Maybe you want to be involved. You, if you feel like God's calling you, uh, you don't belong to us or Horizon Church. You belong to Jesus. So if God's stirring something in you and you want to be a part of it, awesome. God bless you. And because uh, this is not just Carl. This is 
Horizon Church is extending through Carl uh, our reach into another place, uh, uh, another part of the city. It's one of our, our targets if, uh, that God wants to use. If you want to pray for him, pray over him, whatever, um, it'd be great. Uh, if you want to give towards it, you can put FOS on your envelope any week, and we'll make sure that it gets towards all some of those launch and startup costs. So we're going to pray for Carl in a moment. I also want to put up on the screen another couple, a family. This is Nick and Sarah Arkley. And their two little ones, they are, uh, they have felt the call of God for a, a great amount of time and are moving here to Vancouver from the UK to plant a church in Vancouver. And we are going to be working with them and helping them. Uh, they've been raising a lot of money and they're coming here. And so we're going to help facilitate them. And so they're in a the process as well. Nick and Sarah Arkley, Carl here. And so there are things that are moving and happening where God is requiring our yes and uh, it's not just going to be a one-person or a two-person thing, but as we all lean into and see more, more people won and see our city change and, and lives transform. Wonderful today in New Westminster and Kitsilano, two new churches are getting launched today, Vivid Church. And we're just so thankful that God, it takes all kinds of churches in all kinds of places to reach all kinds of people. And so we're grateful for that. And, and we're not in competition with anybody. We're in competition with hell for the lives of people. We want to see lives change, lives transform. And so we're going to do lean in however we can. So I invite you to stretch your hands out towards Carl. And we're going to pray for him. We're going to pray also for Nick and Sarah and also for our house, that we will just have a yes in our spirits to whatever God would have for us to do. There's more for us as Horizon Church. There's more for us. So this is a, 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 a different day today. Father, I thank you for Carl. Thank you, Lord, for his life, Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you. And I just feel even, Lord, that there's people in, that, were, that are in that moment that Carl described where what will my life look like? Is there hope for my life? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that right now that every uh, suicidal thing will be broken, Lord, that you would cause people to ask for help, to look for help in the strong name of Jesus. And, Lord, for Carl, I pray that you bless him, Lord, that you'd surround him with your love and your protection. Bless him physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, in every way, may the blessing of heaven overtake him. Father, I pray that you would provide all his needs according to your riches and glory. Father, that you would add the people that you would have uh, to, <clears throat> to his team, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for the dozens and dozens, the hundreds and hundreds of lives that will be touched through the outreach of Foe's Church, Lord. Lord, thank you for Nick and Sarah as they come and the work that they have to do. Lord, that you would be your hand would be upon them for good. Thank you for Vivid Church this morning, Lord. We pray that you, you would just cause that those churches, Lord, that are launched this morning to be beacons of life, Lord, for all to see. Lord, that people would see Jesus in a powerful way in our city. We say yes to you, Jesus. We say yes to you, Jesus. Just in response to the word, if, if with your eyes closed and head bowed, if, if there's any of you that just said, God needs my yes afresh today. Just throw your hand up real quick. Real quick, put it up high. Just need your yes afresh. All around. He needs my yes. I give him my yes. So, Lord, you saw all the hands. You see the people. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would show them the next step, whether that's attending Grow, whether that's attending a set free retreat, or that's joining a group, whether that's coming back next week. Father, I thank you that we've begun a journey with Jesus beyond our borders into the promise of God. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. Amen.